0: Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita,
1: Kansas, and beyond, with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we are supposed to be, talking Chiefs football on a big, 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 big time winning streak, just in time for the holidays. And with that, we welcome you into episode 86 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, the only podcast focusing on sports in and around, and of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am your host, Blake Cripps, a little bit on the rebound here from some crud over the weekend. I feel 100% fine. My voice feels a bit on the bassy side, however. Tommy, I feel like I should be like Barry White doing some Arby's commercials or something.
0: Well, it's funny, Blake, because I had the crud a week ago on this program and now you, uh, are just getting over it, but we've not yeah. been around each other at all. So no. it's not like we were sharing anything. Uh, it's going I, around. I'm glad that you're feeling better. Um, you know, I, I, told you off air I'm still dealing with some congestion that, uh, won't go yeah, away. Kind of you, pesky, but I know what uh, you're
1: talking about.
0: You know, it is what it is. The, the good thing is that the chiefs have a bye week coming up and we have a bye week coming up as well we after do. this episode.
1: Yeah, we don't mind. Don't mind having a bye week. Yeah, we will not be here for episode 87 next week, so we'll have a couple weeks off. We're taking our holiday break here for Thanksgiving. On the back end of that, since the Chiefs have a bye week, we figured that would be a good time to do that. We'll come back, and we will have our... University of Kansas football season in review will be on our next episode. And uh, it's kind of interesting, Tommy, because I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about. I think that's going to be a much more interesting subject than I thought that it would be. Um, so that'll be coming up. Or, or do you want to save that for Weston when, yes, we do have a special guest coming up uh, to peek ahead? There's only going to be two more shows in the year. For the for the CogPod coming up, which of course you can find at cogsports.com, facebook.com/slash keeper the games. You can also watch it on YouTube, if you dare, or on our Facebook page. Interact with us at CogPod on Twitter. And of course, if you're an audio listener, we love you the mostest. And the best place to get the podcast is always CogPod.Podomatic.com. But if you've got the fancy apps on your cell phones, we're on pretty much everything, coming from uh, going from iHeartRadio to Spotify to TuneIn and so many other more platforms. But uh, we could save KU football season interview for Weston Mills, who is making his... I'm not going to say triumphant because his head is so big anyway, <laughs> uh, but he'll be making a return to the podcast he founded here in two weeks for our last podcast of the 2021 calendar season. Uh, should we save it for that one?
0: You know, I, 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 it's kind of a coin flip. Um I wouldn't mind hearing Weston's thoughts on That's where things stand thinking. in the college football world for both yeah. KU and K State. So sure. yeah, we could we could say that it's it's gonna be I think what three weeks from today, I'm pretty sure that we'll have yes, that, that sounds last about episode, right.
1: yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll tentatively plan on that. But we'll get into a little Kansas State football. We're probably going to be not quite ready for season in review. Probably going to be talking bowl game at that point for Kansas State. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, coming up on the show today, Kansas State declawed by Baylor. KU stumbles against the Horn Frogs. And boy, have the Shockers been living dangerously this basketball season. But we will begin today with the Chiefs stopping the Cowboys. Yes, that's right. Chiefs football is back. They have won four in a row, five of the last six. And they moved to 7-4 and four on the year by downing the Cowboys 19-9. to nine. By far their best defensive performance of the year with three takeaways. Six sacks of quarterback Dak Prescott. They did not allow a touchdown in this game. Prescott was held under 250 yards and without a passing touchdown for just the second time this year. Tommy, Chris Jones has been dominant. You were calling for him to get moved inside. He had seven pressures in this game. Four sacks, three hurries. LeJarrius Sneed made three tackles, forced uh, had a, a forced incompletion. Huge INT in the end zone. At the end of the day, the offense was not pretty. We'll get into the issues about that in a moment. But we have to leave with the with defense. We've been talking about what's wrong with the offense. Last week, obviously, the offense put together a masterful game, a beautifully crafted game against the Raiders. This week, it was not pretty, and it didn't matter because... I had to stop myself before I said this, Tommy. I actually, as I was listening to this game, I had confidence in the defense. I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter. The defense is going to make this happen. I can't believe that I actually just said that on this show, given how terrible the defense was, how it was just suggestive for basically the first month of the season. But Tommy, I'm getting to a point at Thanksgiving, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I have confidence in the Chiefs defense. Do you?
0: Oh, I absolutely do. And I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever that when the Chiefs defense started playing better was when Chris Jones was moved back to the inside. Uh, you referenced it a moment ago. Uh, that I mean, that's where he's been dominant his entire career, the experiment to have him on the outside. He's just out of position, uh, you know, and especially against the Cowboys. You know, in a lot of those cases, he was lined up against the center of the Cowboys, and he just overpowered him the entire game. Uh, You know, so it was great to see that pressure. It was great to see Frank Clark coming alive again. He's a guy that has been much maligned this entire season about where is he? Where's he been? You know, the Chiefs are paying him all this money, and he hasn't been effective, And he's been effective the last couple of games. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, really, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, they are, uh, at least the past couple of weeks, and especially the game against Dallas, they're the duo that we wanted them to be. They're the duo that we all thought they could be together. We've seen spurts of it uh, in, in their time, you know, when Frank Clark has been in Kansas City, and Chris Jones obviously is solidified there. But the fact that both of them had solid games on the same day against a really stout offense traditionally in Dallas. Let's not forget, the Cowboys have one of the best offenses in the National Football League this season. They completely neutralized the Cowboys' offense the, the offensive line for Dallas looked absolutely terrible. They, <laughs> they rated were, out
1: really bad. Absolutely pro football focus, They rated out
0: terrible. Yeah, and you know the Chiefs' D line just met them at the point of attack, overpowered them the entire game. They
1: dominated all those.
0: Absolutely dominated. And you know you mentioned how good the secondary was. Guys like Legarius Sneed, Teron Matthew is in there. Uh yes. You know Rashad Fenton. I know he had a taunting penalty, but he was pretty active as well throughout the course of that game. Uh, But I I tell you one guy that really didn't get a ton of attention that I am so impressed with his motor. I'm so impressed with how athletic he is, how much energy he brings to the table is Willie Gay. And he was a draft pick for Kansas City last year that I know that Weston thought really highly of. We talked about him being selected on this show and he showed out against Dallas as well. Um, So just all together, I finally feel like the defense is clicking on all cylinders, and the fact that they were able to completely take away the weapons that Dallas had, and I know that they were missing Amari Cooper. I know that Ceedee Lamb left the game early with a concussion, but you know, really, the running game wasn't incredible. It was okay at it times for Dallas. It was fine. You know, Ezekiel Elliott did a little bit. I like actually like Tony Pollard quite a bit as a running back. I thought he was. But maybe when you can put that
1: kind of pressure on sure. the quarterback you can't have a running game that's just sure. fine. Dak yeah. Prescott needs to be Dak, and they didn't let him be Dak in that game.
0: Yeah, they really didn't, and you know, I, I actually thought that Tony Pollard was more effective than Ezekiel Elliott was I running the football, you know, in that game, but yeah, it, it was completely one-dimensional because Dak couldn't really do a whole lot, and even when he was completing passes, he was completing passes behind the line of scrimmage, or a couple of yards past the line, you know, the, I think at one point, I don't remember what his final line was, and and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I remember at one point seeing the stat on the screen that he was like 14 of 29 for like 85 yards. You know, so he was throwing the ball a lot, but not for very many yards, and they were not getting first downs. They and were the not, Chiefs
1: are. Ta- I feel like the Chiefs yeah. are tackling. So much better now than they were earlier in the year. The tackling, I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me because moving Chris Jones inside does not make the rest of the team a better tackler, but it sure as hell seems like the rest of the team is tackling way better these last four or five games than they were the first month of the
0: season. Well, and you just saw how guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark were able to make Dak really uncomfortable in the pocket. Yes. And make him scramble around. And, you know, there were a lot of the passes that he was, you know, even completing that were not right on the money. He was kind of throwing behind receivers or, you know, that he was rushing passes quite a bit just to get away from those guys. And when the pass is not crisp, that gives the defender a little bit more time to close in and make a tackle. So, you know, it all kind of relates to one another. And I think it's a domino effect. You move Chris Jones back to his natural position where he can dominate. And good things are going to happen around the rest of your defense.
1: Now, the offense was not great. Mahomes' numbers were pretty pedestrian. But unlike some of the other games when Patrick, I thought, made some really, really poor decisions... I thought today, and he has been in other games as well. I'm not trying to make this as uh, like this is the only time it's happened this year. He was victimized by some drops. Receiving core let Patrick Mahomes down in more ways than one. Didn't really think the interception was that bad of a ball. It wasn't perfect, but really kind of feel like that ball should not be picked off. Like an oh, it's NFL a NFL that Travis
0: Kelsey should, should make every time.
1: Yeah, he, that's a pass that he does, especially some, like, if you want to say that an average tight end maybe drops that, this is Travis Kelsey. Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey catches
0: gets, that ball. He gets paid to make catches like that, not have he them bounce off his handsomely, hands. very by sure. the way.
1: Yeah. The offensive line also kind of took a step in the wrong direction, I thought. They allowed three sacks. Patrick Mahomes was hurried ten times. Andrew Wiley was horrific. He was really, as bad as Dallas was. He was equally as bad for Kansas City. But I thought Clyde Edwards Hilaire was fairly solid part of the offense. He had 40 yards after contact in the game. So for me, it was very nice to see CEH back and contributing, but it was not perfect. Obviously, the result is great. It's great to see that the offense can only score 19 points, leave some points in the red zone, and have Patrick Mahomes being under pressure. Like I said, I blame, I think this was more of an offensive line game than it was on Patrick Mahomes versus some of the earlier interceptions where, yes, Patrick Mahomes was not getting perfect protection but made bad decisions. I thought this was more on the offensive line, so OL and wide receiving core, tight end, threw them in there as well. Not a great day. Clyde, Clyde Edward hilaire good to see him back, but obviously fantastic that despite the offense, the Chiefs can still get a multi-score victory.
0: What I love about this victory from Kansas City, we've seen it in back-to-back weeks where the Chiefs have gotten impressive wins against quality opponents. I think the Raiders yes. are a quality opponent, Uh, The Cowboys are a playoff team. Yeah, they're Dallas is
1: a playoff team. They're a playoff
0: team for sure. But they got wins in completely different ways in both of those weeks. And that's kind of what we've been waiting for from Kansas City, where, you know, we saw Patrick Mahomes throw for over 400 yards and five touchdowns and put up 41 points on the board to beat the Raiders a week ago we saw the defense hold dallas to 9 points and the chiefs get a victory that way and and that's the mark of a successful team you know i i go back to what i was saying about kansas city a few weeks ago and about how there were major major question marks with this team is it a perfect football team absolutely not not by any stretch of the imagination but what marks a quality team what marks a solid impressive football team being able to win in multiple different ways not leaning it also on marks
1: your, quality coaching
0: absolutely it shows you know not just leaning on one phase of the football to win the game for you you can do it In a a myriad of ways, depending on what the the opponent is throwing at you, what the situation is, or how well your guys are playing. So we saw that in back-to-back weeks. One great offensive performance and one great defensive performance in back-to-back weeks. They get a chance to uh, take a week off, have the bye week. We know how Andy Reid is coming off of bye weeks throughout his entire career. He's the best in the league when it comes uh, coming off of bye weeks. They've you know got their record back to seven and four, first place in the AFC. They've got th- in the AFC West. They've got three straight divisional opponents after the bye week. I would say the schedule gets maybe a little bit easier for them after the bye week oh, through the end of the season. Easier. So you know I-, I like where the Chiefs stand right now. I don't feel nearly as anxious about this team as I did a month ago.
1: Chiefs are on the bye for the holiday at Thanksgiving. They are back against the Broncos on a noon kickoff, Sunday the 5th, noon kickoff on CBS uh, here in a couple of weeks. We move on to our next football subject Kansas State declawed by Baylor. A valiant effort by the Cats, but the Baylor's claws a little longer. 20 to 10 loss to a top 15 Baylor team. Tommy, we can talk about all the X's and O's of this game. It's to the point now where you, I just cannot believe that Skylar Thompson will ever be healthy because he got hurt again in this game on a shovel pass. You're building this program. I say the defense is fixed. That's what I say. The defense last year was a disaster. Coach Kleiman has fixed the defense. The defense is playing fantastic football right now. And even in the games when they've given up a lot of points, like to Oklahoma, they gave up, not that they gave up a ton to Oklahoma State, but it's been the offense that's holding this team back. And Skylar Thompson, he is a gamer. He is a guy who makes plays. He's a leader. But God bless the kid. He can't stay healthy. You cannot plan on him to stay healthy. This is multiple seasons now, multiple injuries. You cannot plan on him to be your guy. He can't be the guy for Kansas State next year. Maybe he will be. I understand this is not like professional football where you can go out and just get a free agent. And, you know, Lord knows what's going to happen if they have to throw in their backups again. Kansas State came in with the next play and Jaron Lewis Threw it boink, right to the guys in green and yellow, and it was ball game, icing the game on a Baylor interception. So we know that Will Howard, can Will Howard develop at this point? We've seen a pretty decent-sized sample of Will Howard. Not sure that I have that kind of confidence. Jared Lewis, I definitely don't have that kind of confidence right now. But for Skyler Thompson, he's got talent, he has moxie, and he has grit, But unfortunately, I just don't think that he has the body to be able to play college football at the Division I level. He gets hurt literally all the time. I don't know how Kansas State moves on from him or what the future is going to be. I don't think Skylar Thompson can be your full-time option at quarterback next year because you don't know when he's going to get hurt. And at this point, Tommy, when you're game planning for what you're going to do when he gets hurt, because that's the plan that you have to have based on the history that we have at this point, that's not a good plan to have going into the season.
0: Well, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but... I don't think he will be the quarterback next year. I think he's done after this year, right? Right. This is his his second senior season. He had that extra year of eligibility. So I don't think he'll, I don't think he has any eligibility left after this season. I might, I could be wrong about that, but I I think that the Wildcats have to move on from him. I don't think he can play anymore. Am I wrong? Am I wrong in that? I mean, I might be wrong. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that he's done. Um, and, and we can certainly check that and get back to that in our, uh, corrections and retractions, uh, segment of the show. But I, I think that the, the Wildcats will have no choice, but to look elsewhere at quarterback after this season, you know, the thing about Skylar Thompson though, going back to this season is that it's, he's just, I feel bad for the kid because so do you I know, watching so do him I. play. I don't think he's. Fragile by any means. I just think the kid's been snake bitten. I mean, and sometimes that happens to guys. Like, you know, they they they're durable, they are healthy, and then just freak things happen left and right, and they get hurt, and they just, you know, yeah. The phrase is they can't stay healthy, but a lot of times it's kind of luck of the draw. You know, you're in a position as a quarterback where you're probably going to take some hits. You know, you 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 may not have the best protection in the world. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case for Kansas State, but I feel bad for the kid. Uh, But, you know, I definitely think that it's going to be important for Chris Kleiman and his staff next season to evaluate what the best move to make is at the quarterback position, because I agree with you. There's so much that the Wildcats have going for them coming into next season. There's so much they have going for them right now. The defense is solid. The running attack is absolutely solid. They've got a diamond in the rough in Deuce Vaughn. There's no doubt about it. He, you know, I'm guessing will come back next year and have an even better season in 2021 22 than he's had in 2020 um, 2021. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got, you know, one of the leading rushing attacks, not only in the Big 12, but in the entire USA. Um, but you've got to figure out what you're going to do under center. Will Howard has been thrown into that position a couple of different times because of the injury to Skyler Thompson that he's had several different occasions. And we've talked about it before on this show. He seems uh, Underwhelming. A, little bit, a little bit overmatched. Uh, he's a young guy. He doesn't really seem like he has quite the control, quite the grasp that you need to be the quarterback for the Wildcats long-term. Maybe another year of maturity will get him to that point. I'm not sure. It might be something that... You know, Coach Climate and the staff, they may need to look at the transfer portal, see if there's somebody else out there that can maybe come in right away and then might be able to quarterback the team.
1: I get, I worry that you waste this defense if you come back with Will Howard next year. Because the defense, talking about this season, and by the way, Skyler Thompson. From what I understand, this is the last season. Now, yeah. with all of the rules and stuff, I mean, he—he he, isn't he on like year six or seven with the team at this point, and yeah. they've given years and they've—he's had medical red shirts and then the NCAA. So, I make no apologies for messing up his eligibility. By the it's way, it's confusing. Because nobody, sure. yeah, I don't understand what all the rules are, and they—they they keep changing. But yeah, I believe from what I have read, this is this is going to be his last season based on what he has. And I want to point out. I, good, I,
0: and I want to point out, and, and I want to, I want you to talk more about the defense in a second. But I felt terrible in watching Scather Thompson get carted off the field in what will probably be his, senior be, his day. final, his final game inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium.
1: Yeah, it, it's the last home game of the year. It was Senior Day. They played tough, like it was Senior Day. And this defense can be built upon for the future. Baylor had been scoring 35 points per game. They held them to their lowest output since they lost to Oklahoma State last month. And we know what kind of defense Oklahoma State has. It's one of the top 15 defenses in the country. Kansas State was almost as good as the Pokes. And Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher have been incredible. They combined for 18 tackles, four TFLs combined, but... You're just not getting enough out of the offense right now outside of the running game, which in this era of college football, no matter how good Deuce Vaughn is, it's obviously not enough because they. Deuce Vaughn is a hell of a talent. We both agree that uh, to that. They scored 10 points. Phillip... Brooks muffed another punt for Kansas State. So the special teams were not special. It doesn't matter how great Deuce Vaughn is. We are not in an era of college football or really any level of football outside of high school where you can just lean on the running game unless you are Terry Harrison at Bethel College and you're running the flex bone and just pounding it down people's throats. And you just say, you know what? We're not passing and see if you can stop this outside of him. Nobody else could just run the football and abandon the pass.
0: Well, I think that Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans would beg to differ. But, uh, but, you know, there's one other school. I get what you're saying. There's one other program. There's not a lot of other teams that can do that because it's very one-dimensional. And Deuce Vaughn is a special talent. We've said that week in and week out. But you've got to have a supporting cast around him. And, you know, our big... Uh, critique of K State offensively early in the season was that they didn't really have a whole lot of weapons at wide receiver. Well, that's still the case, but at least you know for a while they had Skylar Thompson to be able to throw the football, you know, to them when when he would do that. You know, Will Howard when he's the quarterback just isn't able to do that sort of thing. So I know that Coach Kleiman said there's an outside chance that Skylar Thompson could play at Texas, um, which by the way I don't know if you realize this factor if you heard about this i know we're going to talk about the jayhawks here in a little bit but if the jayhawks can beat west virginia and if kansas state can beat texas then texas will be in last place in the big 12 <laughs> to finish <laughs> off the <laughs> season um I, i'm not suggesting that will happen but uh funny to watch but it at the end happen of day, at the end of the day though uh, you know, if Skyler Thompson can get back in for, you know, his final regular season Big 12 game uh, that that would I think that's going to give the Wildcats the best opportunity to win their eighth game to hopefully solidify a solid bowl invitation. I mean, they're bowl eligible now as it is, but I think they're going to get four, a bowl invite eight for sure. gets you a better bowl than seven yeah, and absolutely. five does.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And that game at Texas will be on Black Friday. It is at 11 a.m. kickoff. It'll be on Fox, so yeah. it'll be a nationally televised game. Um, Quick I question. Prob-
0: if, if Kansas State can can beat Texas on the road on Black Friday, does Texas fire Steve Sarkeesian? Is he gone?
1: <sighs> I mean, I, I'm su- I'll am i be honest. I kind of thought after they lost to West Virginia this, last week, I thought Sark's going Sark's to get fired. He is going to get fired because this is not something that you that is tolerated at Texas Memorial Stadium. I mean that this would be is not
0: seven losses in a row for the Longhorns if Kansas State can beat them in the finale.
1: I mean It, it is. I hate to say it. It's 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 Manginoian. Yeah, uh, I, it re- reminds me of that 20, 2009 season where they started five and zero, top twenty five, and then went zero seven to end the year. And you know, cost Mangino his job, ostensibly, according to Lou Perkins. Ugh, don't make me puke. But uh, yeah, I I'm kind of surprised that it. I'm I'm surprised that they haven't fired him. To be honest, because Texas is crazy. I'm kind of surprised Fox hasn't said, you know, why don't we get another game? Why don't we put this on the Longhorn Network? Don't you guys like that? I mean, you're losing it when you go to the SEC anyway. So why don't we just do that? A little surprised about that. Moving on to our last football topic of the show, KU stumbling against TCU. We saw shades of both versions of the Jayhawks in this game, Tommy. A 31-28 loss at TCU. TCU with a game-winning field goal as time expired. The good, obviously, KU played a great game against Texas, came back the next week, and did not get blowed out. So that is fantastic. They played great against Oklahoma. Oklahoma State came up and basically plucked the Jayhawks naked in that game. It was a disaster. Jalen Daniels did have a pick, but still 22 for 32 touchdowns. Kwame Lassiter, with a good quarterback, apparently he's actually good. Eight receptions, nine targets, 101 yards, 86 yards after the catch. And apparently, outside of Jalen Daniels, Jared Casey is KU's highest-rated offensive player. With four <laughs> catches, the one-hander a touchdown, 34 yards, get this guy on scholarship next year, maybe retroactively give him a scholarship for this year. The running game took a definite step backward, not saying that that's necessarily Devin Neal's fault or the offensive lines, but TCU definitely controlled the ground game much, much better than Texas did. Um, KU's rushing defense in this game, Tommy, was the best word that I can come up with up with is ethereal because it looked like TC was literally running through white jerseys in gray pants to the tune of 326 yards, averaging about seven a pop. So KU's rush defense is abysmal, but KU was competitive. Daniels showed some poise. He led key drives in the fourth quarter. Your thoughts on a Jayhawk loss to the Frogs?
0: Well, you know, Jalen Daniels has got to be the best option at quarterback. He's the man. Moving forward, I know that uh, Coach Leipold said that uh, Daniels is number one on the depth chart going into the the finale uh, this weekend against West Virginia. But he's got to be the guy you look at next season as the incumbent starter for this team. And I like Jason Bean. Uh, If he's not the starter
1: next year, week one, that's a fireable offense yeah. in my opinion. I, How in the world can you not go with him next year? I
0: like Jason Bean. I liked I liked the decision to make Jason Bean the starting quarterback. Uh you, you know, and, and I I think he showed some flashes of being effective, but Jalen Daniels with his explosiveness gives you the best opportunity to win football games at that quarterback position moving forward so uh, I don't uh, disagree with that decision to give him the starting role uh, for this finale and then hopefully you know he solidifies that and continues that on into next season Devin Neal is injured uh, got injured midway through that game at TCU not sure if he's going to be able to go for the finale but he's been a breath of fresh air uh, for Kansas offensively as well. You know, I I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the biggest takeaway from this game is the fact that there wasn't the hangover after the Texas win last week. There wasn't that thing that we're so used to seeing from Kansas where... They either get really close to winning or they win, and then you think, okay, like there's some progress being made, and then they absolutely hit a wall and they get destroyed by the next team that comes to town, and it totally dashes any hope that there's any kind of progress being made. I still wholeheartedly believe that there is a lot of progress being made, and I think that there's a buzz around this program more so than I think there's been in a long time, probably since Les Miles was hired and I'm not even sure. talking about like when he was announced because that was a debacle. I'm talking about when he was being uh, wooed to come to Kansas and there were people tracking planes and like press releases and things like that. There was all this national buzz. There's national buzz now, but for a better reason because we're actually seeing a program that is, has the building blocks in place to be a solid football program. And I, you know, i uh, I don't know if you saw the comments that. TCU interim coach Jerry Kill made after the game on Saturday. I've always I did not. Had a, Would you please share? I've had a ton of respect for Jerry Kill for a long time. First off, he's a Southwestern grad, so hats off to Jerry Kill. <laughs> oh, um, God. But but second off, you know, he's been around for a long time. He's a legendary coach uh, in college football, and he had nothing but great things to say about Coach Leipold and Kansas after the game. And talked about how he's got – that Leipold's got Kansas – in a better position now than they ever have been since Mark Mangino was the coach at Kansas. And I wholeheartedly agree with him. Uh, and this is a guy who knows college football. Uh, so that yes. was really impressive to see. Obviously, you would have loved to see Kansas get the win over TCU. We can get into the clock management at the end of the game and all of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, it was you know a, a close loss. It was still a loss. However, you've got to feel that much better about Kansas moving forward.
1: Texas Christian was 7-14 on third down. That was a really big yeah. stat in the game, I thought, for TCU. KU had multiple times of third and long, third and 10-plus defensively, and could not stop the Horned Frogs. And KU got drilled in time of possession in the second half, That may not be as important of a stat now with the offense that KU has with Jalen Daniels as it was maybe prior to Jalen Daniels, because you feel like you know KU can move the ball down the field quickly. They can get a quick score. Obviously, the defense is not ready to be out there for long drives, long sustained drives. They 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 cannot. They don't have the conditioning. They don't have the the skills. They just don't have the ability to to stop teams on long drives, and they didn't stop TCU consistently. They did get a couple of key stops. They, had, they made enough stops to keep KU in the game, and maybe KU would have had one more play in the game, but there were some really questionable clock management decisions by your boy Lance Leopold at the end of the game. And I'm not saying that we need to take Lance Leopold out back and get rid of him. I'm not. Uh, what I am saying is if KU gets to the point where it is a relevant football program and the games actually matter, which none of these games actually matter, they matter for Lance Leopold, they matter for Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal. For those guys that matter. In the context of college football, these games have absolutely no meaning whatsoever. Maybe for Texas because of just how bad, historically bad, that they are. But if the games are actually going to be close, and KU actually needs to win some of these games to get into a bowl, boy, I have no idea what I was watching at the end of that game. That was some of the most inexplicable clock management that I've ever seen. Now, I'm not saying that that's Lance Leopold's primary job right now. It is to get this program on the correct direction, to get eyeballs on the program, and to get recruits believing in this program for the first time in a decade. And I think he's doing that. But boy, at some point, he's going to have to start managing the game. And I have seen some real questionable decisions going for it on Inside Your Own 50 a couple of times. Didn't work out either time. I know that last week you said that you understood that. I disagreed. We can have that disagreement. Do you have anything to say about the clock management defensively for KU at the end of this game with three timeouts because I don't have anything positive to say about it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, it's something that I want to die on that hill, you know, necessarily. I'm not going to make, you know, that clock management my Alamo by any by any means. Uh, but I will <laughs> say that, you know, When, and you hear this a lot with football programs, or or not even just football, but you know, sports teams that are perennial losers, you know, that it doesn't matter who the coach is, it doesn't matter who the players are, they just lose all the time. That one of the hardest things to overcome is not necessarily the X's and O's on the field, not necessarily the play calling, anything like that. It's the fact that they just don't, they they haven't been there before. They don't know how to win. Like you hear that a lot about programs that they just don't know how to get over the hump and win consistently. I'd like to think that Kansas is in a position where they're learning how to win and it's not always going to be smooth. It's not always going to be uh, successful. But they're learning how to do it. And I think I think that goes for Lance Leipold as well. He rebuilt that Buffalo program. It took him a few years. It's not like he came in and just day one had them turned around and they were, you know, bull eligible. Sure. There were some growing pains along the way. There, I'm sure there were some blowouts. I'm sure that there were some questionable decisions, some questionable clock management decisions and play calling decisions and, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'd like to think that that's what's going on now with Kansas, that this guy is learning how to coach to win with this team who's learning how to play to win. And there's going to be some bumps along the way. I'd like to chalk it up to that. That being said, though, I agree with you. If it gets to a point to where the talent has improved and the results are improving, those sort of uh, situations with the clock management and that sort of thing become a little bit less defensible and a little bit less excusable. So, you know, you hope that it doesn't go on like that. Uh, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't love the clock management. I didn't think it was great. Um, I I'm still the, the point clock
1: management just to make my position clear. Still, I hated it.
0: I'm still going to give, you know, him the, the benefit of the doubt that he's the sure, right I guy. I too. Um, you know, but yeah, hopefully that stuff gets cleaned up. You know, I will uh, say by the way, and I just want to point it out. Yeah. Uh, our favorite head coach on this podcast, Andy Reid, has hit, has had his fair share oh, for of sure. absolutely terrible clock management. For sure, even recently. So it's not like these things are exclusive only to terrible programs. Even Super no. Bowl winning coaches have the same thing happen.
1: I mean, th- I think that was a kind of a narrative when he was up in Philadelphia, sure. if I'm not mistaken. Sure, you know, with with Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and and all those guys. Uh, Kansas is going to wrap up the season. They've got Senior Day on Saturday, 6 o'clock kickoff, and that will be on FS1 against West Virginia. I believe a Mountaineer program that might be playing for bowl eligibility, if I have that correct in my head. I think that they need to beat Kansas in order to make a bowl game. Might be already there, I'm not for sure, but I th- I think that, that if they win this one, they will be 6-6 six and six and be bowl eligible. So, moving on, did you, did you have the standings up?
0: Uh, No, I don't. I was just going to ask, though, you know, if if... You're surprised at all with where West Virginia is? I mean, you know they're they're three no, and five in the conference. They are five and six overall. So if they get that sixth win, yeah, they'd so be it more is eligible. Yeah.
1: No, I kind of thought that they would just be kind of in the middle, kind of just treading water. Not the only program that I'm really surprised about early in the year. Let's see. You said that you had no confidence in Texas whatsoever. No, none. I think I'm a, I, I I think we're both surprised by how bad Texas is by you know like their Texas's defense is horrendous yeah they have really no leadership to speak of whatsoever and what's supposed to be an SEC ready program don't make me laugh I think
0: Sark has lost the team I don't think that they are responding to him at all if that's
1: the case, you have to fire him, don't you? I think so, yeah. I think that's the surprise to me. We both we both kind of – I mean, we were both wrong. We were both 100% wrong on Iowa State. We yeah. both said they were going to win, and they didn't. So we were both wrong on them. This we is both the kind most, of had Oklahoma, Oklahoma State as being right there.
0: This is the most talented Iowa State team that Matt Campbell has ever had. Uh, and they're going to finish – barely over 500 they're gonna finish with maybe a winning record in the big 12 if they can win their finale uh super disappointing i think baylor is a surprise i think oklahoma state is somewhat of a surprise baylor is a
1: surprise neither one of us had baylor in the the top four and they're a top 15 teams
0: i I knew that oklahoma state was going to be good i just didn't know that they were going to be as good as they are Um, you were
1: a little bit higher on kansas state than i was. i think you said that they could finish fourth i've had them about where they are yeah so i I think we we both thought i mean guy you look back at kansas state i think i think people in manhattan will look at this season and say boy if we would have had a healthy quarterback Those three losses were, they didn't get, the Oklahoma game was much further apart than the final score indicated because of that late touchdown, but outside of that game, I mean, you look at the other two games that they lost, they could have easily beaten Oklahoma State. And probably should have beaten Iowa State. Probably should have won Farmageddon. So, yeah, it's been an interesting Big 12 year. So Kansas is going to wrap up the season uh, on Senior Day, Saturday, 6 p.m. on FS1.
0: And just to confirm, I know I said it before, I'm going to say it again. If Kansas can beat West Virginia and if Kansas <laughs> State can beat Texas, Kansas and Texas would both be 2-7 and seven in the Big 12 but of course, Kansas beat Texas, so they would have the sure. tiebreaker, and Texas would be last place in the last
1: place. How laughable would that be? Uh, what's not been any laughing matter has been the shockers kind of uh heart attack start to the year. Shockers are four and one. However, it has been anything but dominant, anything but assertive, anything but affirmative of what the shocker team is. Only thing that we know is if you're a basketball fan, The Shocker game has pretty much been the best ticket on your television if you've got ESPN Plus or really any of the four-letter networks because all of their games have been unbelievably thrilling and exciting except for the Tarleton State game. They went out to the Roman main event, fell behind by 16, looked like the Wildcats were just going to shuck the Shockers. And here comes Wichita State. They force overtime, lose by four to Arizona. And then UNLV has a chance to win the ball game late. And the Shockers somehow hold on and win that game. Every game that they have played in the regular season outside of Tarleton State has been a one-possession or a single-digit game at the end. Three of the four games have been within one possession or within four points and all of them have been within two possessions Tommy so Tyson Etienne it has like the biggest set of onions as a <laughs> as a god what's his name I can't think of his name now from uh from CBS television Bill Raftery, Bill Raftery. you have the biggest set of onions that you can <laughs> imagine because he's literally hit 95% of all of the big shots that Wichita State has had this year have been coming off of Etienne's hands. He's been phenomenal. The defense, I think, overall for Wichita State has been phenomenal. You, They hold UNLV to under 75. Arizona went to overtime. They get five extra minutes. They score 80 points. Defense has been great. Offensively, Wichita State is not there. They have not found a way to pull away from teams. But this is a shocker team. If they can get into the dance, this is a Shocker team that will not go away, that will not quit, and that will not give up on anybody. The question is, where are the marquee wins going to come from and where the margin of victory in this new system that they have is so overwhelmingly important, so much more important than it was previously. You know, the Shockers aren't blowing teams out. I worry that that may hurt them in the eyes of the selection committee and some of the metrics that they use to make those decisions. Obviously, we're still we're five games into the season, so we can relax. But you know, I'm not sure that the American is going to maybe have that cachet, have that strength and that power inside the league that it's had in seasons past, like the Shockers' first season when they came in, when the American was might have been the sixth best conference in the country, maybe the fifth best, depending on who you ask. I'm not sure the American's going to have that kind of power in it this year that it's going to carry the Shockers farther because there are some bad teams in the American this season. So might be walking on a little bit of a razor's edge, especially if they can't win any of these games coming up, the next three against former Big 12 opponents.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that they'll have an opportunity to... um you know, win all three of those games. Will they win all three of them? 100%. I don't know. They should. I mean, they should beat Missouri by 30 points. Um, Missouri lost to UMKC, uh, you know, just last week. Can't
1: say I've been paying attention to the Tigers, but sounds really bad. Maybe UMKC is really good this year, but that sounds bad.
0: It's pretty bad. So, uh, you know, the Shockers should beat Missouri handedly. Um, Oklahoma State is kind of a shell of who they were a year ago without Cade Cunningham. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think that they should beat the Cowboys. And then Kansas State is Kansas State. We all know what Bruce Weber has up in Manhattan. So I would expect for the Shockers to have an opportunity to win all three of those games. That being said, you know, going back to what you were talking about, Early in the season, I mean, you know, Jack, the Jacksonville State game was closer than it needed to be. The South Alabama game was closer than it needed to be. Uh, you know, they they handedly took down Tarleton State, but, you know, the Arizona game, UNLV, very close. We've been able to see the Shockers pull it out, um, but they let these opponents hang around for far too long. And so, you know, I, I don't know, at the end of the day, it's going to be important for Isaac Brown to to get these guys to be able to not only win games, but be able to handedly win games. And I think they've got an opportunity here over the next several games to be able to do just that.
1: Yeah, hopefully they can figure more things out on the offensive side of the ball, because you look at this Wichita State team. They're only shooting 39% from the field, and they're only making 33% of their threes. Now, despite that, they're still making about three and a half more threes per game than their opponents, because their opponents are only shooting 29% from the field, from the three-point line, but Wichita State is not doing a couple of really important things first of all, they are not dominating at the free throw line. Their free throws are basically level. They're they're basically level. And I haven't looked game by game to see all of the statistics, but I don't feel like this is a team that is getting into transition a ton. They were outscored by UNLV in that game 12 to 9. So this isn't a team that's Using their defense to generate a ton of fast break points doesn't mean they're not scoring points off turnovers. But still, even in the UNLV game, they were outscored points off turnovers, 22 to 18. Which brings me to the third thing they're not doing: they're not doing a tremendously amazing job of taking care of the basketball consistently. Now they are about plus four of the turnover ratio, but again. In the UNLV game, they turned it over 18 times, and UNLV, the Rebels, scored 22 points off those turnovers. So, again, you know, if you can make more shots go in, if you just get better shots, generate better shots, you're going to turn the ball over less. You're going to have less opportunities if you can just make a couple of easy passes and get easier baskets. I mean, Isaac Brown doesn't need me to tell him that, but. Those are some things that Wichita State needs to correct moving forward. And they've got time to do it. As you mentioned, I think that they can get three Power 5 wins coming up. I think that they can win all these games. I think that I think Oklahoma State's maybe a little bit better than you think they are. And Missouri did beat SMU. SMU was picked right around Wichita State in the American Athletic Conference. So I think that will be an interesting game. We will see if that, you know if that UMKC result actually means anything, but this is a chance for Wichita State to, I think, build some confidence because you look at what they've got coming up. You've got Missouri, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Then you've got Norfolk State, Alcorn State, North Texas, and Prairie View A&M. So if I'm a Shocker fan, I'm thinking we should be on an eight-game winning streak before we play East Carolina East Carolina, I'm not really thinking that the Pirates are going to be all that good this year. And then you've got a New Year's Day showdown with Memphis in the Black and Yellow Stripe game on CBS. 11 a.m. New Year's Day against a team that is picked ahead of the Shockers in the American preseason poll So this is a chance that I think the Shockers need to take advantage of to figure out themselves offensively, continue to tweak and tune the defense, which has played well in every game, so that they can be ready because they got Memphis, then they got Houston, one game off, then they got Cincinnati, a couple games after that, SMU. So the, the front half of that American schedule fairly... Powerful, fairly front-loaded there. It'll you know bounce back the other way after that with Tulane and UCF. But I think a big chance for the Shockers to gain some experience and gain some of that continuity on offense before they hit their American schedule.
0: The biggest thing I think that Isaac Brown has got to look at over the next several games for the Shockers is getting off to a good start, starting the game off well. That's really something Wichita State, yeah, offensively, that's really something they've struggled with. The only game so far out of the first five that the Shockers have led at halftime was the Charlton State game. They've been down wow, by four. I did four. not realize yeah, that. They were down by four at halftime against Jacksonville State. They were tied at halftime with South Alabama, down by seven uh, against Arizona, and actually down by eight at halftime against UNLV on Sunday night. So they've got to get off to a better start. They've got to get into the locker room at intermission with leads. You know, we've seen them have... Pretty strong second half efforts and pretty big comebacks. We saw that on Sunday night against UNLV. I believe that the Rebels even got the lead out to double digits at one point uh, early in the second half. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that on Sunday night. But regardless of that, especially the next three games for Wichita State, they're going to have to get out of the box, get out of the gate strong. Uh, offensively, put points on the board early on, establish a lead, and then don't give it up. That's going to be pretty essential, I think, for the Shockers.
1: Well, and and it's uh, interesting. You look at the schedule coming up. Um, you know, Missouri obviously didn't get off to a great start against UMKC. So, can the Shockers take advantage of that? If you would like to watch that game, I don't know how many of you have something called the SEC Network Plus. But apparently, that's what you need. Like, we have, you have to charge people. You charge people to get on SEC Network, and now they have to have SEC Network Plus. Is that a thing? Can't you watch
0: that on ESPN Plus? Isn't that part of the deal? I have no
1: idea if that's. I will tell you this when KU was playing on the ACC Network earlier this year, that was not on ESPN Plus. Right. So, I'm assuming if you don't have SEC, you can't watch this. So. If you're a Shocker fan, I guess you're going to have to listen to Mike and Coach Hull on the road because none of you are going to buy SEC. Well, I don't know. Some of you are crazy enough. You will buy the SEC network (laughs) just to watch this Missouri game. Uh, Obviously, I hope they beat Missouri by about a thousand points. Uh, Next game that you can actually watch on something that's actually, you know, you might have will be Big 12 Now, which you just need regular ESPN Plus for. And that is at Oklahoma State on Wednesday the 7th. So 26th, Black Friday, 8 p.m. And then, of course, the big matchup against uh, Kansas State's coming up on Sunday the 5th at Interest Bank Arena. That's a 5 o'clock game and that will be on the U. And that brings us to the end of our scheduled proceedings for today, which means we have just one piece of business to take care of. It is time to hit the music and go around Wichita with one big story that maybe you missed coming into the holiday week. It is called the Wichita Whip Around. And Tommy, as is tradition, we will start with you, your whip around for the week.
0: Yeah, thank you very much about that. Uh, you know, I'm going to stick with the Shocker basketball uh, topic here, and I don't know if you saw this or not, but I want to give a huge shout out to Dexter Dennis. This story actually went viral nationally uh, over the weekend. I saw it on Sports Center the other morning. Dexter Dennis was apparently, uh, after one of the recent Shocker home games, might have been the Tarleton State game, was caught uh, on camera picking up trash in the stands after the I game saw that. was over with. Uh, not something that he knew he was being filmed for, not anything that he wanted attention for. It was just something that he does. He sticks around after the game. He picks up trash in the bleachers. Uh, and be- and he said on Twitter, it basically just reminds him you know, that uh, it kind of keeps him grounded, keeps him humble when he does things like that. So uh, huh. I actually saw them mention that on SportsCenter. So shout out to Dexter Dennis making the Shockers proud. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, that is – he should get paid for that. You can yeah. pay players uh, – Newman had a basketball player that she worked for the custodial people, and that was just her part-time job. She would stay around, and she would help them clean up the gym after the game. So got to pay the man you But he's not now. doing
0: it for money. He's just doing it because it's I know the he's right not. thing to
1: do. I'm just saying that he is worth the money, don't you think? Sure. Uh, I, of course, will be focusing on high school football. State championships are coming up on Small Business Saturday. The Derby Panthers stayed undefeated. They blew out the Chesty Lions 62-28. To To go to 11-0, they will face an 11-1 Blue Valley Northwest team. That is a one o'clock kickoff at Emporia State University. One o'clock for the 6A state title. Also coming up in 5A, you've got the Mays Eagles. They end the magical run of Cape and Mount Carmel. The Crusaders' season ends at 10-1 in sub-state. Mays goes to state. They will play Mill Valley. The Panthers 11-1. They beat St. Thomas Aquinas 35-19. That game is at Pittsburgh State. Tommy, we've talked a little bit about KMC, your ties to KMC and... and What a remarkable turnaround year it was. Did not beat Carroll, but made it further than the playoffs. And boy, 5A West right now, you look at, it is stacked. You've got Bishop Carroll, Mays, Andover, Northwest, Mays South, and and all winning games in the first round to advance in 5A West.
0: Yeah, you know, I just think it shows that the brand of football in the Wichita Metro is alive and well. Uh, It's strong. I think it's going to continue to be strong. Blake, it wasn't that long ago that I remember you had Derby and Carroll, and that was pretty much it as yeah, far heights as heights there for a set, heights heights there had for their a time, bit, Yeah. But for the most part, there weren't multiple schools in the Wichita Metro that were really solid. It didn't really matter the class. Like you might, you might see maze in there. Uh, you know, you might see, uh, Andover Central sure. making a run, but not this many teams in the Wichita Metro in the top three classes in the same year. So, um, it just shows me that there's really, really good football being played all across South Central Kansas.
1: Andover Central will play for a state championship in 4A. They will get St. James Academy. They got by the Bishop Miege Stags, wow. they finished with a losing rec- record. 42-19 in that one. Andover Central beat Bueller. A couple other pretty local teams, 42-21. That game is in Topeka at Hummer Sports Park, 1 p.m. on Saturday. And then you've got the Andale Fighting Indians at 12-0. They won a battle of unbeatens against Southeast of Saline. 37-16, to 16. they've got Frontenac, that will be up at Hutch Juco, 1 o'clock kickoff on Saturday for the Class 3A state title, and that is your Wichita Whiparound. Already corrected myself for the not knowing how many years of eligibility Skyler Thompson had left, or not being sure. I mean, they're going to let him play for a decade. Might as well just give him another year. Uh, but any other additions, corrections, or attractions for you, Mr. Thomas?
0: Yeah, I do have an addition. Congratulations. You mentioned Hutch Juco. Congratulations to Hutchinson Community College. They won the Kansas Junior College uh, state title uh, in the Jayhawk Conference on Sunday at Riverfront Stadium. It was dominant. They beat Garden City 49-19, to and they finished the season the Blue Dragons do with a record of 8-2. and Bad news, though for Hutch as they uh, just missed out on going to the national playoffs they were ranked fifth one spot short of being included in the 14 playoff for a national championship so a bummer for the Blue Dragons but uh, hats off to Drew Dallas and his entire squad there Hutch Juco for a well done season
1: yeah they won three games down the stretch in a row I think all against top 25 competition, and thought that they might get in. Jayhawk, of course, is considered to be one of, if not the best, conferences for junior college football course you've got you know the last chance you universities down there in Mississippi and Iowa Western is a power but you know two losses I think is what kept them out I don't think anybody else in the top four ended up having more than one loss on the season so I think that that was what did Hutchinson in uh, addition for me and we uh, already had this on Twitter so if you followed us on at cog pod on Twitter you would have seen this already but Terry Harrison departs Bethel after turning a moribund Bethel program around. He moves just down the road, minutes down the road, and he will be taking over the program at Friends University. He's the new head coach of the Falcons. Bethel finished in the top 15 this year, so he has taken a Bethel program that was trash, made them into a top 25 power the last four years, and now leaving for Friends. This is a huge loss for Bethel, I think, because Bethel is not you know, it has not proven that it can stand on its own as a program. Maybe the next coach is going to come in and keep them there. But the problem that I see for Bethel is that Coach Harrison runs such a unique system, the flexbone. You're not going to find another coach that's going to come in and just run the flexbone. There can't be that many flexbone coaches around at the NAI level. For Friends, I think this is a huge get. He knows the Wichita area. He's going to leverage those G-wall recruiting, the, the recruiting base that he has. The guy has proven that he can recruit to the NAIA level. So I think for Friends football, they might be a subject that we have to start talking about next year. I know that you hate that as a Jinx fan <laughs> yourself, but I um, mean, if he can turn around Friends, like it's been a while since Friends has been really, really good in football. So I think for, for Friends, this is a 10 out of 10 higher for me
0: it's a curious hire for me it's a curious situation it's um, weird that it's, that happens in the
1: conference doesn't it
0: yeah and you know I'm I, I know the kcAC fairly well and uh, you don't see it very often when a coach no. goes from one school to another within the conference as a head coach and what even what makes it even more curious is that the friends program right now is not very good and he's got things humming at Bethel Uh, and, and, and got them ranked in the top 25 and they almost made it to, uh, you know, the, the playoffs. It might be a money thing. I I don't.
1: Hey, money, money talks. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, you know, director, the athletic director, Rob Ransmeyer might've said, you know what? I want that guy. Yeah. I'm going to pay you to come here. and We're making Wichita football big. Let's and, and, you do know,
0: this. for Terry Harrison, you know, like you mentioned, he's familiar with Wichita. He coached at Heights for a few years. Um, you know, so he's just coaching another Falcons team. He coached the Heights Falcons. <laughs> right. and now he's coaching the Friends Falcons. But, uh, yeah, kind of a curious move. I saw that, and uh, I don't really know what to think I about was it.
1: kind of stunned. Yeah
0: actually uh, f- for sure but speaking of my uh mound builders they were uh oh my in god the... see every
1: time is this well, really a thing you that you and up, weston have to do you brought we it up. bring up friends you have to bring up southwestern afterwards really that's a, that's well, really what we're going to do if
0: we're going to talk about a terrible program in friends university we should talk about <laughs> the program that actually made it to the national playoffs in the naia shouldn't we sure uh, so I mean, the, they're not in Sedgwick County, well, so. the the right outside. It's in the Metro. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Southwestern Mound Builders, they're in the Metro for sure. The Mound Builders were in the first round of the NAIA playoffs. Uh, last weekend, they played Marion uh, up in Indiana, and they lost, I believe, by a touchdown. Uh, the Builders led most of that game, uh, but late Marion came in. They got a couple scores, and they ended up uh, getting the victory. So the Mound Builders season comes to an end, although head coach Brad Griffin. Griffin from Southwestern was named the KCAC Coach of the Year.
1: Yeah, and and I would say deservedly so. Don't worry. If if next year, if Friends gets into the top 25 and we start talking Friends football, I will not let Tommy do this every single week. He will get called out. If it's relevant, I'm
0: going to bring it up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> if it's relevant, sure. Uh, that is our show for this week. Episode 87 will be coming to you in a couple of weeks. We are off for the Thanksgiving holiday, so no show next week. We have got shows coming up for you on the 6th. And then our last show of the year will be on the 13th. And that will be our special holiday show as we welcome back in Weston Mills, our old co-host and the founder emeritus of the Keeper of the Games podcast coming up on the 13th. So enjoy your th- Thanksgiving holiday and the turkey. Uh, What are you looking forward to most on Thanksgiving, Tommy?
0: Uh, You know, it's going to be different. This is the first year uh, I think ever for me where I have to work over Thanksgiving um, and so I've got uh, oh, thunder I've, in action. I've got hockey games, the Wichita Thunder Ooh. in action on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this week.
1: So you so, got Thanksgiving off, but yeah, the rest of the weekend is going to be busy for
0: you. Yep, pretty busy with the uh, Wichita Thunder hockey. They, by the way, are on a four-game winning streak. Uh, and so nice. they they're, they're six and five right now with a winning record and they're, uh, they've got a big home stand. We're one game into a five game home stand. Uh, and then the next four games happen this weekend. So it should be a lot of fun.
1: Maybe makes you feel any better. I have got the Newman Jets at a doubleheader on Saturday. The Newman women looking for their first win of the season coming up on Tuesday. They've got Cotty College. The men are playing Sterling. Uh, that will be tonight, 5.30, for the doubleheader. If you guys want to come out to Fugate Gymnasium, that would be great. Or you can listen on the Newman Jets Audio Network. So I'll be busy with Newman Tuesday and Saturday. Not quite as busy as you will be, but we definitely do have some Newman Jets basketball to be covered this week. So um, Thanksgiving, have a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I'm excited. It's going to be weird, Tommy. We're going to be watching Kansas basketball at a pretty decent event. This is not like a big marquee event coming up for the Jayhawks, but a pretty decent event for Thanksgiving. And they'll be playing, I think it's a 1 o'clock tip-off on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, especially if the Lions are playing in the early game, I'm going to be clicking as far away from that game as I possibly can.
0: Yeah, I usually get really excited for NFL on Thanksgiving. It just seems right. But the early game is the Bears and Lions, which
1: we are not watching that. I'd rather
0: watch KU basketball. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I will be watching KU basketball. So that will be some of the topics that we have. Our season in review for KU football will be coming up but going to start transitioning going to be a little bit more KU basketball a little bit more Wichita State basketball and Kansas State basketball coming up on that next show. Well of course we will react to the end of the uh, college football season. High school football state champions will be crowned. So that's all coming up on our next episode of the Keeper of the Games podcast on the 6th. So we will We'll hope to see you then, Tommy. Before we step aside for the Thanksgiving holiday, for our beloved audio listeners who are not already following us and liking and sharing and subscribing, and we appreciate all of you that already are at our YouTube, at Facebook, liking the page, or at Cogpod on Twitter. How can people like and follow you on Twitter?
0: You can always follow me anytime at Tweets from Tommy,
1: and I am at B E B E C R I P P S on Twitter. So we will see you in a couple of weeks. From everybody at Keeper of the Games to you, have a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Take care, guys.
1: You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't
0: forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more.
1: Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cogpod. That's K-O-G Pod.